Hey everyone, thanks so much for being here. Um, I went solo and did my own interview with Cassandra Reinhardt. I was fangirling, I use her all the time, I go on her YouTube channel all the time to do my very own yoga practice and I absolutely love it. So I really hope that after hearing this episode you'll try it for yourself um, to really take care of yourself and um, show up better in your relationship. Yoga with Cassandra is the go-to YouTube channel for millions of viewers seeking to enhance their home practice. Cassandra Reinhardt has taught yoga since 2012 and has completed 200-hour and 300-hour yoga teacher trainings. And uh, she's done training in yoga therapy. She's even written a book, uh, Yin Yoga, Stretch the Mindful Way, which offers remedies and sequences to the stresses of a busy life. Cassandra has been married uh, for two years, but she's been with Anthony, her husband, for 10 years. Uh, she's a fur mom and a fur foster mom. So she has a dog and lots and lots of cats. So she is a very busy woman. And we, I really appreciate her taking the time to talk to me. And uh, so you guys can really benefit from her knowledge when it comes to yoga and mindfulness. Here we go. Hi, this is Kate. And this is Eric. And this is the Evolved Marriage Podcast. Where we have fun with growth and connection. Thanks for joining us. All right, let's go. So welcome, Cassandra. Thanks so much for being here. Why don't you start by telling us something um, you don't think our listeners might not might know about you or something your followers might not know about you? Well, I'm truly a TV junkie. I love TV shows and actually a like maybe a big secret dream of mine is I would love to be a TV producer. That's oh, like, if fun. I wasn't doing what I'd be doing, that's, I think what I would be pursuing. That's very cool. That's definitely not something I've known about you. And I've been following you for a long time on Instagram. So I feel like I know you pretty well. <laughs> So that's great. So individuals and relationships, as individuals, we ignore the importance of self-care. And then when we're ignoring uh, self-care in our relationship, we can sometimes become resentful, unhappy spouses, and we're not showing up as our best selves. For myself, I found a little haven in yoga. I know that when I'm feeling off and I'm not feeling super confident or I'm not feeling really good, I know that I can always turn to yoga and um, really get back and get centered and move my body, sweat a little. <laughs> and then I seem to feel uh, much better. I know that this is your specialty. So can you tell us a little bit on how your journey with yoga and mindfulness started? Sure. I've been practicing 12 or 13 years now. I started roughly in 2008 and I wasn't thinking much about it. Um, and I did not fall in love with it right away. It was a gradual relationship, you could say, that developed. Uh, I was really just looking for a new way to move my body. I've always been someone who's very active. I grew up doing dance. Um, and I just genuinely, I'm not one of those people who necessarily have to force myself to exercise or to move my body. I kind of crave it in a lot of ways. Of course, I have slumps where that's not the case. But in, in general, I do like to try different activities. As a dancer, I thought that yoga could be just a great way for me to get even more flexible because flexibility mm. is actually something that I've always struggled with. So I was really just looking 
to cross train. You know, I wasn't even looking at yoga as a spiritual practice. I was really coming into it with what can I get out of it physically? And the more I practiced and the more those other layers started to work, work their way through um, into my practice. And it got a little bit deeper and more of my movement ended up being yoga. So other things kind of fell away a little bit. And I focused more and more on yoga because that's really what I felt called to. And then a few years later, I think in 2013, I graduated from my first yoga teacher training and pretty much started right out the gate, Um, started teaching and haven't really looked back since. That's awesome. Yeah. And I love that you said it was like a a slow progression because I think a lot of people, when they take on something new, they'll often hope that they fall in love with it right away. And if it doesn't happen within like the first month, they're like, that's it. I quit. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really important when you start something new, just like you, that you, you build a little bit of endurance and try it and it might be hard and it might be weird and it might be different. But the more you do it, the more you see the benefits of it. And eventually, I guess you transitioned where it became more of a spiritual practice for you, or is it still just really moving your body? It definitely merged into something I was doing for my emotional health, my mental health, and my spiritual health. It definitely changed. You know, the thing with yoga is that we all, we call everything yoga, but there's so many different styles. There's so Mm -hmm. many different teachers, which is why it wasn't love at first sight for me because I hadn't found the specific type of yoga that I resonated with. I haven't, I hadn't found teacher or a few teachers that I really felt called to and connected with. And that really is what makes the big difference. Um, When I found yin yoga, which is where you hold passive poses for an Mm -hmm. extended period of time, a few minutes, that was the first entry point for me to start tying in mental health and emotional health. Yeah, I love that you said that because that's the one I turn to when I'm feeling kind of blah and it's like I don't really want to move my body and sweat and I feel like I don't want to work out. I don't you know when you're kind of in that pouty mood. <laughs> I find yin yeah. yoga is the best one because you lay in positions or you're standing in a position and you're holding it for so long. Sometimes the positions can be, you know, slightly uncomfortable, so it takes your mind off of whatever you're stressing about and you can really focus on those, you know, positions. So I also love yin for that and I think it's um, a really good starting point for people who aren't necessarily, you know, comfortable with the idea of yoga yet. It's it's slower. It's not as intense yeah. as the other ones, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. you're obviously a very busy woman. <laughs> you have uh, not only your channel, I know you're a, a fur foster mom and you're a fur mom yourself and all those <laughs> things. So um How do you personally practice mindfulness uh, every day? It changes a lot. I'm not a hugely structured person. I have routine until I hate routine. It's like I'm constantly going through this cycle where I am craving routine. I'm craving structure. I'm craving less on my schedule. And after a little bit of that, I'm bored and I want excitement and I want Mm -hmm. novelty and I want to fill up my schedule. And then I do that for a while and then I get overwhelmed and I get frazzled and then I start craving routine again and the cycle continues. And for a long time, I thought that this was a problem to be fixed, but truthfully now I just accept it. This is who I am. Um, This might always be the way that I am. So I'm pretty good at going with the flow, especially because yes, I am very busy, 
but I do have the luxury of being able to do this full time. So it's not like I have to try to fit in all this work around a nine to five type of job, which Mm -hmm. I did have to do for over three years. I was managing both. And let me tell you, that teaches you time management better than Mm -hmm. anything. When you're trying to fit in self-care by working 80 hours a week, you really, really have to, you really notice what is important to you and what isn't. So mindfulness and my practices will change a lot. I think the one thing that's non-negotiable for me that is with me throughout surprisingly is just walking to me. That's more of a walking Mm -hmm. meditation. That's where I can feel the most grounded. Um, As someone with ADHD, a traditional meditation can be very challenging. It's not impossible. And I certainly still do it, but sometimes I need to be physically moving my body in order to calm down my mind. And even if I'm moving towards, or I'm wanting to do a more traditional seated meditation that I'm going to hold for 15, 20 minutes or so, I'll usually do some form of movement beforehand so that I can kind of get rid of the excess stress and tension and energy in my body to make it a lot easier for me to sit still. So definitely walking for at least 30 minutes every day. And then I'll usually do some form of yoga or even sometimes it'll just be stretching. Like I've been doing a lot of evening practices lately where I'm just mainly doing yin before going to bed. And that's been really nice. But I know in a few weeks, I'll probably get sick of that and I'll go back to morning (laughs) and then I'll get sick of that and I'll go to afternoon. And, you know, I, I kind of do a whole a whole bunch of stuff, but it's, um, there's always some form of movement and some form of stillness. And I try to find a balance between the two. Nice. That's awesome. And I know you've been married. You you are married, not you've been. Yes. (laughs) My question was, um, how long have you been married? Uh, it was our second anniversary this summer. So two years married for 10 years. We've been together 10 years overall. How would you, how do you find that um, mindfulness shows up in your relationship in a time where you're having a disagreement or something? How do you use mindfulness to, to recenter your relationship? Well, that can be really hard because when you're in the middle of something, it's really hard to get perspective. When you're in the middle of a disagreement, mindfulness is the last thing on my mind. Usually I just want to be right or end the argument exactly, or whatever. Yes. You know, like I want to I want to create forward action and get mm-hmm. us through to the other side. Like you mentioned, how do you know if your partner needs more mindfulness? That <laughs> is one pitfall I have stopped falling into this idea of like, my partner should do yoga. And I get questions and emails about that, the whole, you know, all the time. How do you get your kids to do yoga? How do you get your husband to do yoga? How do you get your mom to do yoga? Because once you become a practitioner, you see all the benefits of it. I know mm-hmm. that my yoga practice and my meditation practice has made it so that I'm less reactive. If we have an argument, I'm less likely to escalate it. I, it's easier for me to take deep breaths to not take it as personally, to step away. So because I'm a teacher, because I'm a practitioner, I can list, I can make you a list a hundred reasons why my husband, my mom, my friends, everyone around me should do yoga. But whenever people ask me, how do I get people into mindfulness practices? I say, you don't, you don't, Mm -hmm. you do your own practices and you model, you model what it is that you want to rub off on people. And it might, and it might not, and that's okay. But at the end of the day, I don't want people to be using these mindfulness practices as a way to manipulate or control (laughs) other people in their households, right? So it really is a practice of the self 
mm-hmm. and getting yourself in a place where you feel a little bit more centered and grounded and more than anything connected to something that is greater than you and even greater than your relationship with your spouse. And I found, you know, we've been together 10 years and he absolutely does do yoga, but not once because I said you should do yoga or try to Mm -hmm. get him to come to a yoga class or try to get him to do my videos. The more you push that on people, the more resistant they'll be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a huge trap. Like you really have to be careful. And it's the same with kids. It's like, I'm not a parent myself, but I have a lot of friends who are parents and I can see firsthand how if they want to instill a positive behavior or a routine um, in their children, rather than telling them what they should do, the parents just do it themselves and the kids will learn by modeling. And -hmm. it's pretty much the same I found in the relationship. And anytime I'm feeling like I want to point the finger at my partner and think that, oh, he's not grounded, he's in his head, or he needs to take some deep breaths, he should meditate, he should stretch, he should practice self-care. Truthfully, it's more often than not projection, and I'm the Mm -hmm. one who should be doing those things. Like if it's so easy for you to point something else, something out in someone else, that's because it's very much present within you. And that doesn't disregard the criticism of the other. That doesn't mean it's not true that they also need to do those things. But I, I really do try to flip it on myself as much as as much as possible. Um, and just point the finger back at me and say, if I want him to be taking better care of myself, I'm going to take better care of myself. Right. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think that, like you said, the more you push, the more they'll, you know, pull back. So I think it's just, it's important for you to focus your energy on yourself, as you were saying, instead of pointing the fingers and saying what they should be doing. Um, Because there's no way you can convince somebody to do something. And not just that, but the fact that, um, something is working for you. So maybe uh, you find stillness and and comfort in yoga and meditation, but that might not work for your partner. So um, I know one way that I've encouraged Derek to do yoga with me is just, I turn on your channel and I'm like, hey, date night, (laughs) (laughs) yoga together. I mean, he likes it, but I, it's because I end up laughing at him and it's not nice. I know everybody has their own journey. But I just think he's so cute when he does yoga and it's like, he looks at me and he's like, how are you doing that? And I'm like, I don't know, practice. (laughs) And he can't even like touch his toes or whatever, like get even past his knees when he's trying. And I'm like, you're so cute. (laughs) Well, it's like, what's your intention, right? Is your intention Mm -hmm. to spend time bonding with your partner? If so, then great. If your intention is to try to get them to a different mental space, then you're in controlling zone, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you're maybe crossing a little boundary of trying to mitigate their feelings and trying to control their internal experiences mm-hmm. with your own behaviors. And that, that might may or may not work in your favor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, definitely. Um, so imagine yourself, So your life isn't a funk, you're crazy overwhelmed. Uh, What is one of the first major things you do in order to regulate yourself? I'm a talker. I need to talk it out. I need to verbally process what's happening inside my head. I'm a very cerebral person, I Mm -hmm. guess is the way to think about it. I'm not super into my body. I'm always into my head, which is a phenomenal superpower 
when it's serving me. It means that I can accomplish many tasks at a time. I can have multiple projects going on. I'm able to juggle things seamlessly. I'm able to communicate in a really satisfying way, but it means that I might lose touch with my body. So the first thing, I have to talk it out. All these thoughts that are going on in my head, they're going so fast. It's almost like they're going too fast. I can't even verbalize them, but I have to make myself verbalize them. Mm -hmm. I have to actually speak them out loud. And that action of saying what's on my mind, saying why I'm overwhelmed, what's going on, what's been consuming, what my my inner dialogue sounds like is very helpful for me. It gives brings me a lot of clarity. And if I'm able to get, you know, compassionate listening from my partner, like if I go to Anthony and I'm telling him all these crazy, crazy thoughts that are going in my head, it's really nice to have someone, he's very much my opposite in that he's very much in his body, very grounded to have someone like that reflect back my dialogue to me can be very helpful and provide a different insight so that's definitely the first thing I do is just talk it out either to my partner or to a therapist. Um, if I'm really like in a pickle, I'll journal. But I even get frustrated with journaling because I can't write as fast as I can right. talk. <laughs> um, and that can be, that bothers me a little bit. But once I've gotten it out verbally, the process is always the same. I have to ground it in my body. I am the kind of person who will think my feelings rather than feel my feelings. Mm-hmm. That is very challenging. So that's where movement practices really come into place. Those moving, dancing, um, even just shaking. Like I'll literally just start shaking and moving all of my limbs. Like just getting that stagnant energy out can be really, really, really helpful. So trying to get it into my body is, yeah, talking it out and then grounding it into the physical. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. I think that's that's great advice for other people who can probably benefit from doing the exact same thing when they're kind of feeling off or feeling like they're in a funk or crazy overwhelmed with a lot of things going on. What advice would you give to a listener who might be interested in starting self-care through uh, yoga and mindfulness? I would say start small and start at home. I know it can be a little bit intimidating to go out to a yoga studio if you've never done that before. You're not sure what the environment will be like, what the people around you will be like. It can be a very fear-inducing scenario for a lot of people. So the beauty of the internet is that you can do it from the comfort of your own home, in private. You don't have to worry about how you look, what you're wearing, how you're performing the pose. It truly does not matter. It's a lot easier to shut that off. So I would say start at home and start small. Sometimes what's intimidating to people is that 60 minute or 75 minute class. Mm -hmm. If you can get yourself to try something for 10 minutes, like anyone can try something for 10 minutes, you know, like (laughs) even five minutes, like I would go on YouTube and I would look up five minute yoga, 10 minute yoga, and I would just start with that. And then maybe the last key piece of advice here is to kind of do like what I did when I started, which is try different styles and experiment with different teachers. So don't judge the entire practice based on that first video you select, because maybe you'll love it, but maybe you won't. And that doesn't mean you should write it off and that it's not for you. It can, sometimes it just takes a little bit of time before you find what really connects 
Mm-hmm. And I like that. Um, I know I'll just plug your channel a little bit. I like that on your channel, you have different categories where you have different times. So sometimes when yeah. I'm short I'm on time, I know I only have 15 minutes. I can go check out just the 15 minute videos and, and I can look at those different categories. So I know it's really easy to find those. I've seen that you have, you know, five minute ones. I've seen somewhere you, you have all kinds of styles. So I think that starting online, starting by finding uh, a YouTube channel on your YouTube channel, there's a ton of different options that they can try beginner classes, intermediate classes. And um, for those who are more advanced, I think the reason I love your channel so much is uh, because there are more advanced classes. So it's almost like going to a studio and getting the real thing, but um, I, I don't have to get out. It, it allows me to do a little more at home. Um, it gives me a little more time because sometimes I'm short on time. I only have like 30 minutes, but to drive there, get dressed, get ready, sit in yeah. a standing line, blah, blah, blah. And then with all the restrictions now, it's just so easy yeah. to do it from home. I turn on like 30, 45, sometimes hour videos and it's, uh, I can still get the the benefit of having like an advanced class um, and then I can really push myself, which I really enjoy. But there are beginner options. So when I'm doing it with Eric and it's <laughs> he's not as comfortable, we can definitely do uh, the beginner options. And that's that's all on your channel. So that's what I really love. So I really appreciate you being here, Cassandra. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk today. And where can our listeners uh, find you if they want to send you a message or they have any more questions or things like that related to uh, yoga and mindfulness? and anything you might do? Sure. Uh, easiest place is probably just my website, yogawithcassandra.com. Again, that's Cassandra with a K. And if you just search on Google for Yoga with Cassandra, they can find the Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all that good stuff. Amazing. Well, thank you very, very much again for being here. And uh, thank, thank you so you much again. for having me. All right. We'll talk to you soon.